MSW Media. Well, pour yourself a glass, sit for a spill. It's time to have some fun. Let's do a little thinking, some picking and a drinking. This is what we're drinking with Dan Dunn. Yes, this is what we're drinking with Dan Dunn. I am Dan Dunn. Normally, I I start to blabber and I, I blab and I do a little intro. I kind of, you know, I'm like the warm up guy for the for the guest on the show. But this episode, I'm so excited about the guest. I'm so I can't wait to get to the guest. So I said, "Fuck it, we're going straight guest." We rarely do this on the show, but today. I can feel, you feel the excitement, everybody. It's palpable, isn't it? Straight guest. She is a comedian and she hosts one of the best podcasts, certainly one of the best named podcasts of all time, Mm -hmm. but it's one of my, my, my new faves. I've just come around to it in recent months, but it is great. It's called Guys We Fucked and her name is Corinne Fisher. Hi. Hello. What an intro that the, the excitement was palpable, but I think that also might be your alcoholism peeking through. No, so. no, I, I, it was almost sincere. Most of that. Yeah, no, almost sincere. Wow. Thank you. So nice. <laughs> no, I, I mean it. I'm excited. So we, you know, just so everybody knows out there, we, Corinne and I have, uh, several mutual friends and I've been an admirer of her work. And so I made the bold move of reaching out to one of our friends, mutual friends, Justin Silver. And I said, can you, can you get that Corinne to possibly, you know, come on my show? That Corinne. I love that. Yeah. Thank you. And he, 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 he made it happen. He reached out to I'll you. I'll do and- anything for Justin. He also DM'd me last night about a dog that needed um, funding to get out of a shelter. And I then mowed right away. So Justin can pro- probably ask me to do anything and I'll do it. His word means a lot to me. So I appreciate Justin uh, for making that happen, and I appreciate you being here. So it is, um, it's happy hour. When we're recording this, it is actually happy hour time, and I never in a million years imagined that I'd be doing happy hours over the computer. But I, I find myself getting used to it, which is unnerving in a way. Are you are you getting used to doing all these Zoom? Oh yeah. I love it. I love it. Honestly, I don't think you need to have human contact with people unless you're having sex with them. So this, this really works for me. Anytime I get too much human contact, it just makes me want to drink more, which isn't great. You know, that's not a great sign for me. Speaking of drinking, I arranged (laughs) to have some rosé so that, so that Corinne and I could have this. I wanted to share the same thing. So I, Arranged to have a bottle of rosé sent to you. It's a M. Chapoutier Belarouche rosé. It is a an amazing rosé from the Rhone. Michelle uh, Chapoutier is a world-renowned producer. Excited to have this. And it feels right. For, I, I don't know what the weather's like in New York. Corinne's in New York. I'm in L.A. It's very warm and beautiful here in, in Los it Angeles. It might be hotter here today than it is there. It was like 84 degrees here today. Okay, so it's rosé weather. Yeah. Well, I mean, 
when you're a white woman, any uh, weather is rosé weather. So to me, you know, it might be rosé weather for you, but I was born into rosé weather. So here I am raising my glass. Where's yours? Let's see where it is. Oh my God. Okay. I will open it because I knew you were going to guilt me into this. But Mm. first of all, I've never opened a bottle of rosé by myself. I don't even think I've ever owned a bottle of rosé. You're not by yourself. You're with me. No, they gave me two and they delivered it at 11 a.m. And I was still sleeping because I had a radio appearance that I had to be like up for at like 8.50 a.m. And then I did it and then I went back to bed. And so it scared. It's so it would, there, there was alcohol being delivered that scared the shit out of me. But am, my I, dog am I misreading me. this situation? Or are you afraid to drink rosé right now? I'm not afraid. I just, I'm not afraid. I just, um, okay. So something you have to know about me is I love productivity. And because I woke up so late, I have so much more that I want to accomplish today. And I'm in, in my old age. Um, well, I guess wine and ro- like rosé, like that always made me tired. And so I'm going to have to take a nap after this, but I'm going to go get it because you did get it delivered. I don't want to just think that <laughs> okay. I'm stockpiling rosé. I have a Beautiful bar cart behind me. You go get the rosé and I'll, I'll, I'll fill some it. time here while you're doing it. So again, uh, this is M. M. Chapoutier, Belarusche rosé. I've got a 2019. I believe Corinne's going to have the 2018. These are affordable rosé. I mean, all rosé is pretty affordable, right? This is about $16.99 a bottle. It's 50% Grenache, 40% Syrah, and 10% Cinso. It's just a delicious, delicious, crisp it's got that deep pink salmon color to it and red fruits on the nose, raspberry and cherry and got a round roundness to the palate and there's strawberries in there and great acidity. It's, it's just what you want in a rosé and that's what I want in a rosé and it, apparently now it's what Corinne wants in a rosé because she's busted it out. I was so happy because I didn't realize it was a twist off. And so that saved us a lot of time because if you actually had to wait for me to open some kind of a cork or, or, uh, anything that would have been like another added 15 minutes. I'm trying to, I'm trying to take care of you. That's all I got. I got this cool glass. It's, it's vintage and it, and it looks like goth because I like my house to look goth. Here it is. It's 2018 yeah, better than yours. I got the 2019 right there. <laughs> It smells good. The only thing is, um, it wasn't in the fridge, so um, I mean, I, I'm I'm not gonna put ice in it because I know then you'll make fun of me more. I know I will not. In fact, I really want. Do to you ice. want the ice? Go get the ice. Seriously, get the. Wait, ice. I want to see. I want to see how it tastes room temp because okay. yours is chilled. Try right? it. Yeah, mine's, mine's chilled. Yeah, so try it room temperature. I don't think it's gonna be. It's not gonna be bad, but I don't think it's gonna be great at room temperature. Cheers, by the way. Cheers. All right. It's not bad, but I like everything with ice in it. Get some ice, and this will. While you're doing that, I'll, I'll. That'll allow me to speak to that point where people ask me all the time, "Is there? Oh, a, is it trashy? Well, yeah. is there a wrong way to drink things? Is there a right way to drink things? Of course not. You should enjoy it the way you want it. If you buy a, a wine, if you have red wine too, I mean, I, I've put ice in red wine before. It's okay. It's yours, and so do what you want. Put some ice in there. All I have is a, like a whiskey cube, but that's going to be too big for the glass. Well, now that's trashy. Oh, come on. I can't believe it. <laughs> oh, God. I'm already spilling things. She's spilling I'm, already. She's starting to fall asleep. Already. So wine really makes you sleepy? Yes. 
Yes. Oh my God. I can't even, I can't even stay awake. Like what I'm, I sniffed it and I was sleepy because like, that's what I use. Like when I'm, I don't love flying. And so that when I was first flying a lot with um, my comedy partner, I would just like drink wine on the plane. So I wouldn't get scared because like everyone pops pills, but that's a real fast way to get a, get get a fucking pill problem. So, well, the good news is Corinne, we're never flying again, so you don't have to worry about it. Nobody's ever get on a plane today. I was looking at flights to Florida. (laughs) I need to get the fuck out of here. You're not afraid. I don't. I, I I just stay away from old people. But other than that, I'm just yeah, there because there's comedy clubs that are open. Hey. Salt Lake City um, Comedy Club is open. There's an Oklahoma City Comedy Club open. I need to get the fuck out. Are there any comedy clubs in blue states open? Mm, well, wait. Is uh you? I guess Utah always votes uh, Republican. Uh, that's silly of me to ask. I don't. I don't know if there's any. Do you worry? I mean. You got to figure the last place where a comedy club's going to open is going to be New York City, based on what mm. we're seeing now. Do you, do, you, do, you, do you disagree with that? No, I don't disagree with that, but it's fine. I, I mean, I've done comedy for 10 years. I needed a little break. It's all good. Yeah, I'm like, I'm a podcaster as well. So like, I, I, I hope for, for the mental and fiscal uh, health of my friends and colleagues that it opens sooner. Um, but like for me personally... Yeah, I'm okay without it for now. Are you okay with this, the way we're doing podcasts now as well? Or do you miss being in studio or or having the guests in person? No, this is great because it just reminded me like uh, how much of a waste of time commuting is and how much of my life I spend commuting, like between like podcasting, like going to the gym to meet my personal trainer. I've been doing this all via Zoom. And I was like, I have like 15 extra days a week now because of all the time that I'm not spending on the subway. And like, you know, or in your, you know, when you, it's, it's the same as like being in your car a ton when you're in Los Angeles, you know, like I just spend so much time commuting. It's such a waste of time. But are, aren't you missing the human contact? No, that you, that's no, you're not missing not. it. Just, no. just to have, okay. Have you had any human contact since this uh, started? I mean, my comedy partner, Christina, who you had on, that's like Christina my, Hutchinson. Yes, that's my person. So we've, you know, uh, not when we're not like living together or anything, but we've gone um, like safely uh, rented some places like on a, we rented a, a barn on a farm for a week uh, with our dogs. So we've done a couple things like that. Uh, and that's been great. So we can get some work done. Um, and she's like my approved germ person. And then I took like a walk with uh, a comic who lives in my neighborhood and we went to the park. So, but have you had any physical contact where you've hugged someone or because I just did that the other mm-hmm. recently, I, I actually hugged some, a, a friend came over and I said, fuck it. And we, and it, and I started to cry. Wow, <laughs> I'm not kidding. So it was well, cause it, it, I, I realized it had been two months since I touched another human being. Yeah. Oh, I, I, um, yeah, I hugged my, I hugged one, my one friend who I, I went, uh, was one of my, uh, rural trips. I, I did hug him. Um, it felt like fine. Honestly, hugs are not, hugs are not my thing. I'm not from like a touchy household. So like, I like cuddling with like the person that I am dating if I'm dating someone, but also I have a dog. So I think that's cheating because I've, for me, like human contact and animal contact are no different. In fact, I would actually probably rate animal contact superior because I love it. Like, that's why, you know, one of Justin and I, uh, our main bonds is how much we love animals especially dogs you don't have to wear you don't have to wear a condom either i mean it's great yeah, yeah i mean it's <laughs> nuts but um 
So my my dog. So I've been like cuddling nonstop with, with my dog. dog. Yeah. So are you a cuddler? It. Are you in before this? Be, you know, BP before pandemic. Mm. Were are you a cuddler like post coital cuddler, or do you or do you want you need your space after? Um, I, uh, it depends who it is. You know, it depends what our relationship is. I don't, re- I usually only sleep with people that I know pretty well. I'm not like a, even though we have like a sexually explorative podcast and I'm certainly like into having sex with like multiple people separately, not like an orgy. Uh, I'm not, I don't really have sex with like people that I meet like at a bar. I've only had one, one night stand ever. And so obviously I'm not cuddling with someone like that. That's like creepy in my opinion. Um, but yeah, I follow the lead of the person. So like if someone wants to, but if someone's not a cuddler, I'll probably just leave if I'm at their, their place, because I don't want to just like lay next to someone in bed. Like it's not, that's not comfortable. Uh, if we're not going to cuddle. What about if you're in a relationship, are you a, I guess what I'm getting at is even when I'm in a relationship, I don't like to have someone draped on me when I'm sleeping. Oh, when you're sleeping. When I'm trying to um, sleep. It depends. I mean, like, I've never lived with someone, actually. Um, and, you know, by choice, I, I kind of don't want to. But I've dated someone as long as five years. And, I mean, I like sleeping in the bed alone. But if someone's in the – see, if someone is in the bed with me, I prefer to sleep on their chest. Because that's – like, that, for some reason, it's just very it, – see, it feels like it shouldn't be comfortable – but laying a head, my head on a man's chest is very comfortable. I don't like to like, yeah, I don't like to like fully like drape over it because it gets hot. I just like to lay my head on his chest and that's it. Yeah, this is making me, you know, I, I, I amend that statement by saying now I'd be all for it. I'd be full. <laughs> yeah, you know, you'll take anything. <laughs> stage 10 clinger. It's okay. Jump on me. So <laughs> by the way, I've noticed now you're, you've, you've now embraced it. You've embraced the concept of drinking rosé. Well, I'm gonna if I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna do it. I'm not gonna be a little baby about it. I'm not, it wasn't anything to do with drinking. I was just like, I just was like, oh, I fucking, I want to decoupage my bathroom door. If you want to know the real truth of what I'm trying to stay awake to do, I ordered a decoupage kit. I have all this art that I want to put up. I'll just take a little cat nap and then I'll wake up later. I have weird sleeping habits, so it's fine. What do you think of this rosé? Do you or you said you don't drink much rosé? No, just because I don't drink anything like kind of like from the wine. Sh- sh- like, are you like so rosé? I always just call it rosé. But is it actually a wine? Is that what it's considered? Is it? Yes, absolutely. You, you can just call But then so why does it's a it sti- feel it's a like, style of wine? But so then why does it feel like, you know, they'll just be red, white and then rosé. So rosé is just a style of wine and then all pink wines. It's so named because of the color, because it's in between red right. and white uh, color wise. Right. And, uh, the, you know, they, but yes, it's absolutely wine. It, it uses, uh, this one, I think I said is Grenache and, uh, what's the other one in this? Uh, so basically this is Grenache and Syrah with a little okay. bit of, with a little bit of Cinso. So those are the grape varietals. Okay. Right. Grenache is one type of grape. Uh, Syrah is another type of grape. So it's 50% of this blend is going to be Grenache, 40% is going to be Syrah and then 10% Cinso. And that's where you're going to get that, that color from. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, Rosé as a category just comes around because it's a rose colored wine. 
I think my confusion stems from the fact that when you get a wine menu at like at most restaurants, there's multiple reds listed, multiple whites listed, obviously several champagnes. And then usually they only have one rosé. So I was like, are there like, what? That, that's what I was confused about. I would think generally in, in a restaurant, rosé mm-hmm. is almost always going to be poured by the glass as like a warm up before dinner. Okay. Because it's not. Okay. Don't get me wrong, rosé does really pair well with lots of different foods, but right. for the most part, if you're going out to dinner, it doesn't seem like the sort of thing where someone's going to, hey, let's get a bottle of rosé, partly because it's 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 generally inexpensive, rosé. Mm-hmm. for This one mm-hmm. here is $16, $17 a bottle, tops. Okay. And in a, in a restaurant, you know, they, they want to pour wine that's more expensive. So right. you might find this more in a, like a, like a roadside seafood place or something like that. You might find some rosé, but almost always it's going to be poured by the glass because it's cheaper. Yeah, because um, that, that makes sense. Also, the, I guess the most times I see rosé, especially in New York, is like brunch. Rosé is very big on for brunch. You know, New York loves our brunches. I don't know what you guys are doing for brunch in L.A., but here, whew, that's the thing to it's, do. It's a, big, it's a big thing, I think, for brunch, um, certainly, you know, and then and then obviously bubbly is a big thing. I mean, do you do bubbly with, uh, with brunch? I mean, for brunch, I like something more like a little, like a mimosa. So not just, not just champagne by itself or not like, not just like Prosecco or anything like that. Also, I'm going to get wildly drunk. Like it's it's with some things, especially champagne. I'm like a very, I'm a lightweight and it's going to be a problem. I'm going to start high kicking. I can't control myself. I'll, but I like, I'm a big drinker. I'll drink like my preferred drink when I'm just being like a boring bitch is just like double kettle on the rocks. Like I stopped even putting soda in it. Just not even necessary anymore. Like I'm like, who, I'm like, who am I doing this for? Who am I impressing? No one. (laughs) How about, uh, is, you know, another thing that here that's becoming popular too. And and I see it a lot at brunch is orange wine. Have you had orange Mm. wine? I haven't. I've I've heard of it. I haven't had it yet, though. It's not made of oranges. It's basically white wine where they yeah. they leave the skins on. Okay, during uh-huh. during uh, in typical white wine production, they take the skins off, but they leave the skins on in contact with the juice for days or even months, and uh, that is where it gets that that orange color from. Hence, oh, orange wine. Yeah, it's a, interesting, and that's 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 becoming popular here. Brunch. I can't drink. uh, Yeah, I can't. I can't drink white. I only drink red or rosé because white gives me in it like a crazy migraine headache. Yeah, I just can't drink white. I haven't drink drink it for years, which is fine because I prefer red anyway, like like a a dry red. I like like Malbec is my favorite. Like if we're just going by that, but uh, yeah, that's what I drink. I drink a whole. I drink a whole bottle by myself during Dead to Me season two, though, in one sitting. Very proud. I am watching that. I'm almost finished. I'm about, I've got I love that. two episodes left. Hopefully it's rewarding, the end. Yeah, well, I mean, also there's such like a crazy plot twist during that show. I don't know. I mean, it's a little bit soap opera-y, but I like that because nothing, I don't watch a ton of TV. Uh, I'm more like a movie person, uh, but I love that show. I finished the entire season two in, in two sittings. Let's take a break. We'll be right back with more with Corinne Fisher. My friends, can I be straight with you? Right now is not the time to overpay for razors at the drugstore. In fact, 
You shouldn't be going to drug stores at all if you can avoid it. Harry's knows this. That's why they ship directly to you so you can experience the quality of a Harry's shave in just a few days from the convenience and safety of your own home. Why Harry's? Well, it's a return to the essential. Quality, durable blades at a fair price. We're talking $2 a blade. They've cut out the middleman. Harry's uses a German manufacturer that's been honing precision blades for a century. Those high-quality blades go straight from the factory to you with a 100% quality guarantee. If you don't love your shave, let Harry's know, and they'll give you a full refund. So I've got a, uh, I got an offer for you. I've got a little deal. I'll make you a deal. Join the 10 million who have tried Harry's, and listeners to my show, What We're Drinking With Dan Dunn, can redeem their Harry's trial at harrys.com slash drinking. That's harrys.com slash drinking. Redeem it. You're going to get a weighted ergonomic handle for a firm grip, a five-blade razor with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade, some rich lathering shave gel with aloe, keeps your skin nice and hydrated, very important, and a travel blade cover, keep your razor dry and easy to grab on the go. Because eventually you're going to get to go somewhere again, I promise. So go to harrys.com slash drinking to start shaving better today. You are from New Jersey? I am from New Jersey. What what gave it away? The voice. <laughs> you get, well, where am I from? Can you tell? Ugh. No, because you have a gravelly voice, so it hides the accent a little bit, but it sounds East Coasty. All right, I'll, I'll give you a hint. What I'm about to take a sip of right now is water. Oh, are you, fr- oh, so is that like? Water. Like- Home, Poconos. Oh, yeah, like um Philly. Philly. Area. I'm from Philadelphia. Yeah. Yeah. Where in Jersey are you from? I'm from Union because there are parts of New Jersey where we talk like Philly, like Cherry Hill. But I'm from, yeah, Union, New Jersey, which is like 35 minutes outside of the city. So I have like a regular, a more regular New Jersey accent. Talk about the beginning of your comedy career. Um, well, so this is my 10th year in comedy, which is perfect because I'm spending it not doing comedy. Um, and uh, I started more like acting and I went to film school and made comedy movies. And then I uh, was a, a member of the Upright Citizens Brigade Theater. So I did a, like, which is, you know, you're doing a lot of improv, a lot of sketch, a lot of writing there. Uh, and then I did a one woman show about stalking and my family's um, history with stalking celebrities. Uh, and wait, then wait, wait. From that, who is, let's hear about the family history of stalking celebrities. Well, like I see people think that I'm like a stalker, but just like if I have a crush on someone, I like to get to know a lot about them without their knowing, which I guess is a, a fun way of saying stalking. Um, but also you have to keep in mind as a woman, you're in danger every time you enter a heterosexual relationship. So I just like to look into things so I can maybe see red flags before I get emotionally invested in somebody. And plus it's kind of like a fun hobby. Like, you know, in my opinion, the best part of of a relationship is like before it starts and you know bad things about them. So I just like to look and it's like social media. I mean, is asking for it. So I like to just, you know, see kind of who they dated before, the kinds of things they say online. Um, And then I realized uh, that my grandmother and my mom both uh, kind of have a tendency to stalk celebrities that they like. Like a story from my childhood is my mom 
uh, and my grandma were driving and I guess they saw in the, a car by them Ethel from I Love Lucy and they pulled into this like little roadside shop and my grandmother made my mom as a young like a teenager or like 14 maybe like go inside this roadside shop and follow Ethel up and down the hallways to get an autograph and my mom like went inside but then she saw that Ethel was buying toilet paper and she was like I'm not gonna like uh, like uh, ask this woman for an autograph that I followed into a store while she's just trying to get toilet paper and so she came out empty-handed but there's like a lot there's a lot you of hear something crazy like that. I what? actually stalked Ethel from I Love Lucy as well. Wow. Vivian Vivian Vance. Vivian Vance. That was, that's her name. I I can't imagine she's still alive. She can't be, right? Yeah, I don't think any of those people are alive. I think they're all, they're all goners. All goners. Do you, when you're dating someone and if they look you up, there's a lot of information. Does that bother you? Does that bother you at all? That a guy can Google you and we'll know way more about you than you could possibly know about him. Um, I usually do address, address it. But the thing is, I mostly only date comedians. So then it's kind of like known already. And it's like kind of not a big issue. Uh, because if they're like interested in me, they already know so much about me that obviously it's probably not going to be an, a problem. But like my last boyfriend was a musician who I met on Raya. And he did know about my podcast and I was like, Oh, you might want to take a listen because sometimes people find my voice to be a bit grating. So, um, you can see if that's going to bother you. And I had him listen to it and he was like, he was like, no, he's like, I've already listened. He's like, your voice doesn't bother me at all. But he's also from Boston, even though he was living in Los Angeles at the time. Um, and then the only other thing that bothers me is like my, this is not like dating, but my therapist was like, oh, should I listen to your podcast? And I was like, well, no, because that's a heightened version of who I am. You know, even though like we're very honest on it and and the information is correct, it, we're, it's still for entertainment purposes. So I'm playing into bad cop and Christina is playing into good cop and it's a little bit more black and white. And when in reality, obviously we're both a little more gray, so... How did you meet Christina? Um, I am a couple years older than her, and I was the first job I got out of college was uh, an assistant at a talent management company in the city, uh, and she was one of the interns there. And we just like really headed off. She was a hard worker. And uh, I was already taking classes at UCB and very interested in comedy at that time. And so was she. So we would talk about that a lot. And then she ended up doing what's called a bringer show, which is like stand up comedy when they let you have five minutes of stage time at a real at a real comedy club. But you have to bring, you know, between usually five and ten paying customers. And it's more of like a showcase. Um, They're kind of a ripoff, but you can get good tapes. Uh, And so she was doing that and she invited me to be one of her paying customers at that. And I saw it and I was like, oh, she's really good. And we, we both started stand up within like a month of one another. So uh, then we decided to do also like a B project, which was sorry about last night, which then led into the guys we fucked podcast. And you've been doing guys we fucked for six, seven years now. Yeah. It's uh, this, I think it's seven years this December, I believe. It's, you know, obviously now I, I think my neighbor's podcasting guy across streets podcast. Everybody's doing it now. We're doing it right now. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. When you started, Obviously, there weren't as many people doing it then, but 
Was it a struggle in the beginning? No, it's funny that you said that because when we started, we already thought podcasting had jumped the shark and we had no idea how much further it was going to go because like that was the time like we we started at a time when like Mark Maron's podcast was the podcast. Obviously now Mark Maron's still very popular, but Joe Rogan's podcast is the is podcast. The th- so I'm now. I'm on I'm the the spirits expert on Adam Carolla's show. Oh, so cool. so back in the day Corolla was the biggest podcast in the country because he was really one of the first people that did it. And then you, Mm -hmm. it's exactly that. I watched that. I mean, Adam still does well, but you watch that progression. It was like Adam and then Mark Maron was the big thing. And then Joe became the big thing. Rogan is now the big thing. But then also you've got the, uh, the true crime came along. I know Georgia Hardstark's a friend of mine and she did the, uh, my favorite murder. And then that whole, well, serial, I guess, kickstarted that. But Mm -hmm. you see these things that come along and even what you guys are doing, relationship themed podcasts, you were kind of an early adopter there, right? We were, we, I mean, I would say the, the, the main person in that space, uh, in relationship podcasting, when we started was Dan Savage. We consider him the godfather He's great. Of, great. Of, of that. And, and the show we were trying to do, uh, although we love and uh, always take what Dan Savage has and says into account because we think he's very intelligent. Um, ours was kind of like the female answer to Howard Stern. So we, with podcasting, we're more looking to answer to radio actually, rather than to answer to podcasting because podcasting was still new enough. It's that you're that you weren't going to like kind of copy another podcast the way we see, you know, copies of guys we fucked uh, living today. Who's copying you? I don't want to name. Should we call him? I don't want to name names. Fuck that man. Have some more wine. By the end of the show, you'd be like this fucking son of a bitch. They fucking know who they are and everyone else knows who they are. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah, they can do what they want to do. I just, I, my only thing is like, I ask that like, if you're going to copy the podcast, like at least kind of yes and it, which is an improv rule. We're talking about improvisation. So it's like, if you're going to copy the podcast, don't just copy it and like do a less good version of it. Add something to it. Add your own flavor. Add a spin to it. That's, that's all I ask. And some people did not do that. So. Fortunately for me, nobody wants to copy my show. So uh, it's it's good. We're working out this way. Well, I think a lot of people unknowingly uh, copy your podcasts, which is just getting drunk alone in your house. Well, you know, it is funny about that. I, that I have heard. I, I've listened to, especially lately, if it's whether it's a podcast or a stream or something, people seem to think you can just get on and just start drinking. Yeah, it's a big problem. And by the way, the least interesting thing in the world, and I've learned this because I've had several shows over the years. I had a show on Sirius XM and, and there have been times you do a show where, you know, had a bunch to drink and you're like, Oh my God, that was the, me and Kurt Russell were so fucked up. It was so much fun. It was great. And then you go listen to it while it, everything seems really funny to, to you when you're drunk. It's really not entertaining at all to an audience. It depends like if you're incoherent or not, because Christina and I will get buzzed and do like uh, episodes every now and again. I would say like, you know, in seven years, I've been drunk on maybe five episodes. Like it's not a common thing. But but I also think when like when you make it a treat as far as, you know, in, in comparison to something that is expected, then people like it. But yeah, I think if I was drunk every week, people would be like, uh, this girl has a problem. Well, yeah, I want to qualify that. I, I definitely have a buzz on on most of my shows. Uh, I'm right. talking about shows where, I where you know, I, there's this festival that we would go to every year called Bourbon and Beyond in Kentucky. And a couple of years ago, I did one with some, uh, we did a bunch of them there. And it was, 
100 degrees and it's so hot and you're recording all day and you're drinking all day and and just different you know talents coming through and you're interviewing them and i remember we got to a point where the chef ed lee and michael voltaggio were on the show with me and and we were just drunk i mean <laughs> throwing booze at each other and i was like oh my Rolling god it. it's oh gonna god. be the most fun ever and i listened to it i was like uh not so good Yes. Yeah, we we definitely do do some heavier editing. We 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 don't really edit the guys we fuck podcast, but when we get drunk, we I mean, we always end up divulging information that really should only remain between Christina and uh and I. So we do a little editing there, but now you've we're generous. You mentioned Dan Savage. He's been on your show, right? Yes. Dan yes. and then you do a lot do you do a lot of other shows as well? Do you go on a lot of other podcasts? Yeah, it, I mean, it depends. Like, we, there's so many podcasts, as you mentioned now, that I try, I, I have to say no. Um, I've been saying yes more often during the quarantine just because it's like, well, I only have to come down to my living room. But it's like when there's transportation for, to, you know, to Brooklyn, to Queens uh, involved, I, at a certain point, like, I need to make sure there's some kind of a listenership before I'm saying yes. Because everyone has this, like, thought in their mind, because it's been written up in blogs and stuff, that if you have someone who has a successful podcast on yours, it'll give yours a bump. And that's kind of true, but it'll probably only give that episode that they're on a bump, like unless you're consistently having uh, guests with followings on. Um, and so I think people misuse uh, podcasters as guests a lot. It can, it can be, it can be a good move, but you also need to know how to make the move correctly. Like, cause people have like, will ask me to be the, their first guest on episode one. And I'm like, that's not the right way to use me. You want to do me on episode 20 when you kind of know what you're doing more. You've built a little bit of that foundation and then you can start using other podcasters to build your following. So if we were not in quarantine, would you have come on this podcast? Yes, but but that's because it's about something that I'm interested in. So that I have another, I like if someone like, and also because Justin asked me to. But like, there's things like if it's like about animals, I'm very, I am interested in um like drinking and and drinking culture right now, and then also like aliens or murder, I would do. But like if it was like if it was just like a random sex podcast, I would be like no, absolutely not. Interestingly enough, at the end of this show, I'm going to murder an alien. Wow, just for you. Thank you. So you're, we're going to do this again sometime because now I know that you like vodka. Well, see, I actually prefer whiskey. I drink vodka because I'm in the entertainment business and I have to fucking stay skinny all the time. That's why I drink it. It's not like my favorite drink. It's okay. Can I tell you something though? Yeah. Whiskey's the same thing calorie wise. But when I stopped drinking whiskey, I gained, I, I lost five pounds immediately. Maybe you were doing something else to to facilitate no, that weight loss? I literally, I literally just changed from whiskey to, I mean, this was like in a period when I was heavily drinking, but. So what would you say? What would you, what do you think is in whiskey? That's sugar. That's not in vodka. That would be, that would, that would make you gain weight. Isn't there sugar in, in, in whiskey? That's not in vodka. No. So then why does it taste so good? And why does vodka taste like ass? So all spirits happen the same way. You, you have a starch, some sort of right. starch, a, a potato, wheat, rye, and you take that starch, you put water in it, you make it, and you add, you ferment it, you add uh, yeast to it to ferment it, and then you distill it. Everything that comes out of a still is clear. Whiskey, vodka, rum, it's all clear when it comes out. It's, it's just alcohol, okay? Right. So what whiskey is, 
is a, is a clear a clear distillate, and then they put it in wood. Mm-hmm. And that, oh yeah, you were telling me you were telling us this on Cinco de Mayo. A yeah, bit. so that that comes from there. So there, there's nothing. They don't add sugar to whiskey. But then, so why does every trainer, every health plan, every because I'm one of those people who's been on every fucking diet on the planet, uh, just to like maintain what I would call a mediocre weight, and uh, and they're always telling you like avoid brown brown um, liquor and or brown spirits, and that you the best things to drink are either tequila or vodka. Like why? So why is that just like a myth that's circulating? Like what's why, what, what is, why do the people say that? They're full of shit. They're dumb. I'm trying to, I'm trying to think of, again, I'm racking my brain here to think what could be in whiskey. That's not in vodka. That would make you gain weight. If anybody out there has the answer to this, cause I don't, I think I'm right on this. And if anybody can contradict me, please hit me up at the imbiber. Let me know. But as far as I know, Corinne, the whiskey and, and vodka are going to be about the same calorie wise. Cause I was like, I really did see a difference when I, when I changed from whiskey to vodka, but it's also whiskey might just get me drunker and then I would eat more food after it. I'm not sure. I'm not sure because in my, in my, uh, in my twenties, I would just drink a ton and then not eat. I, I, I wouldn't be hungry, but now when I get drunk, I get very hungry. Well, the other thing you got to keep in mind too is if you're putting any mixers in there, then that's where things are going to start course. happening. Obviously, if you take whiskey and you make an old fashioned, well, now you're putting sugar in there. Okay. So yeah. now you've got sugar. If you're drinking vodka, Red Bull, you should punch yourself in the face. First off, just punch yourself. I know you hate that. I would do, I would, I would drink sugar free Red Bull anyway. I don't have the Red Bull if they don't have sugar free in their little special uh, mini refrigerator. What's your dirty just- secret? What's the worst thing you drink? Well, is there anything so that brings you shame? Stay awake. No, nothing brings me shame. I'll do a Jaeger bomb. I don't give a shit. Uh, would you do an uh, Would you do an Irish car bomb? Wait. Oh, wait. What? What is that? What is? Which one is that again? Okay. So, this is my thing on the Irish car bomb. I used to be a master of the Irish car bomb. I would be able to. So to crush these things, right? It was. Uh, it's Guinness. It's a. You take like a half mm-hmm. a pint of Guinness, and then you take. Jameson and Bailey's. So put a little Jameson and then Bailey's in the shot glass. You drop it into the Guinness and you shoot it. Okay. Yeah. I can't drink that because I can't. I, if I drank Guinness, I would throw up immediately. Too thick. I, again, I was, I could do it in less than two seconds easily. And then one day I, I stopped and I started thinking about the origin of that drink. It's called the Irish car bomb. It's mm-hmm. named after an act of terrorism that has yep. caused untold pain to thousands upon thousands of people in Ireland, okay? The drink was invented in the United States by a guy named Charles Oat, I think in Connecticut. So he co-ops three of the most popular adult beverages from Ireland, Guinness, uh-huh. Jameson, and Bailey's. He takes these and he says, I'm going to name this drink after this act of terrorism. So I, I thought about this and it would be the equivalent if like an Irish guy opened a pub down downtown in New York and he said, Hey, I'm going to, I got an idea. I'm going to take Budweiser, Jim Beam and Jack Daniels and you drop it in there and it's called a down trade. It's called a, you know, a, a down tower or something or, or the nine 11, you know, yeah, I was like, you call it the and, and a bunch here. of, and a bunch of Irish people come in and go, give me some, give me some nine elevens and, and right. start, you know, you'd be like, what the fuck, man? You know? And, and so I stopped drinking the Irish car bomb in solidarity 
with the end. My last name is done after all. I was like, you could just put this, those elements in and call it something else in your heart. You know what? You're on to something here. If you just change the name from the Irish car bomb to the lucky shamrock. Right. Cause I mean, then I it's feel, happy. I feel like there's a lot. Yeah, there's a lot of things that like have been named either like racist or insensitive things. And it's like the elements in the drink are not racist or insensitive inherently. So you just need to change the name and then you can continue drinking it. Wait, what's what's the name of a racist drink? I'd like to, I don't know any of No, these. like a, like a, you know, like a, like a, not a, not, I'm not talking about drinks, just like, a, you know, like carpets, you know, or clothing or, you know, just items. Like you, you know, you call things like Indian that you mean Native American, that kind of thing. I got it. There's yeah. like, I can't think of an example. Where, oh, oh, here, Chinese auction. There's a good example of just like a, a, something that existed in society. So a chi- it's called a, a Chinese, Chinese auction. A Chinese auction. Auction? Auction. Yeah, you don't... So what they call it now, like, they call it a tricky tray on the East Coast, but it's just one of those things where you go in and there's, like, different baskets of, thing, of things that you could win and you put, like, your little number in, like, an old deli container and then they raffle off that you know, group of prizes. A lot of times they'll do it for charities or for, like, PTA fundraiser kind of things. They're so why did fun. they call it... Chi- why was it called Chinese? Uh, China, I'm sure there was something racist about it. Like, there's... Anytime there's a... Anytime there's like an ethnicity before something, you're like, oh, that's probably racist. And then when you look into the origins, you're like, yeah. But I mean, and obviously the fact that they started calling it a tricky tray or like, you know how they used to say when you cross your legs on the floor in school, they would say sit Indian style. Now they call it sit pretzel style. They do? Yeah. No, I For many years, even, even since so when wait, I was a kid. You're saying I should 34. not be saying Indian style anymore? That's what you're saying? No, oh. no. It doesn't even make sense because like they technically mean Native American. They don't mean India like for Indian from India. So like it, it, it just is doesn't make sense altogether. What, what was the other? There was Indian giver. I never understood that. Indian did, giver. Did Native Americans take? I don't even understand. That couldn't be further from the truth. If, if, if nothing else, the Native Americans had literally everything taken from them. They never took it yeah. back. Yeah. So I don't know where that, that came sense. from. Yeah, you're right. Okay. I don't know if there is, an, there is a, a racist drink. I do remember one time I was talking about a black Russian mm-hmm. and somebody's like, oh, is that, can you still say that? What the fuck are you people, talking people, about? People, what are you talking also- about? Yeah, they just they hear certain like trigger words and this happens in stand up comedy a lot. And they just assume because the word that, you know, can mean something hateful or or bad in uh, other areas that it's racist anytime they hear it or that it's insensitive anytime they hear it. And those are just people who like to make us think on the Internet and have too much time on their hands. I had a, I had a thing a while back. I'm wondering if I should go down this way. This oh, yeah. boy. No, no, it's not bad. So I, I was at a party a few years ago. And I was recounting an an awful story that my brother had told me about a a guy that he encountered in his neighborhood who was racist, right? Uh Uh-huh. And the guy said the N-word. Right. But in order to tell the story, and I was talking about what an absolute piece of shit this guy was, right? Sure. Mm -hmm. And I said what he said, okay? Uh And I don't want to go into it. I would. This is what's pissing me off that I have to fucking censor myself right now. But right. I was at a small gathering of people that I knew and some people that I didn't know. And I and I and I said the word and it's a fucking mm-hmm. word. Right. It is. Mm-hmm. It, and I you know, part of me feels like you give it more power when you say when you sh- 
cower away from it. I'm not using it. I'm not using it in my day-to-day life. But if I say the word in the context of this was an awful fucking thing that this guy said, so I say it, and this woman, it was like I stabbed her in the ear. And I'm not joking. She went, she grabbed her head and went, (gasps) oh my God. She said- She was white, I'm guessing. Yeah, white and, you know, went to fucking- Cornell or something and yeah and she and grew up in wherever the fuck she grew up I grew up in like a poor neighborhood in Philly you know very very rough neighborhood in Philly so I'm like yeah you don't you don't have to justify yeah, exactly. it exactly like, so this is white uh, yeah, white woman behavior. White, so she goes she goes I cannot believe you just said that oh my god and I went well I'm saying how awful it was you can never use that word Oh my god! I'm like I just did. See, that's a that's the same type of person who like when I bring my dog to the dog park and he's like humping another dog that that they act like my dog is openly raping their dog. Like this is the same kind of thing. It's like okay, this is you're not. This is <laughs> like the dog should know better than that to yeah. follow its primal instincts. Yeah. I mean, I literally had to say to someone at Boris and Horton, which is like a dog cafe in my neighborhood. And then first of all, the fact that we're all at a fucking dog cafe tells you that with the level of privilege we're living with. And so my dog, what's the dog cafe a, like, by the way, do they have little dog ador- teacups? Adorable. I mean, I mean, well, you can like, there's like human cafe food. So, but then you could also buy like, you know, pastries that are safe for dogs and they have, where uh, is a, this? It's like um 13th and 1st or something like East Village uh but like a closer to Union Square on the on the east side and it's great and it's a fun place to meet up with other friends who have dogs and stuff the same way like you would meet if you had kids at the park or something and uh so the fact that we're there is inherently like kind of obnoxious already I mean I'm buying $5 cupcakes for my fucking rescue dog uh and yeah and like of course he's a little dog he's like 2 years old at the time and he's you know get, doing a little humpy because that's what dogs Dogs do. And Justin, as a professional dog trainer, told me when I got my dog, he's like, yeah, he's like, unless the owner really has a problem with it, you really shouldn't like shame your dog for doing that because it's like a natural thing. And like if the other dog doesn't like it, they'll naturally like just knock the dog off. Like there's nothing as long as they're spayed and neutered, there's nothing bad that can that can really happen here. It's nature. And so I, I, I heeded his advice and I never want to make my dog feel ashamed about his sexuality um and this woman literally was like was like gasping and looking at me and i had and i literally just said to her i said if you think this is rape it's not <laughs> which not i mean it doesn't really go over in the east village but i don't give this a is shit. like a me too moment with your dog I mean, basically, and and especially, and I know, and I don't know this, you know, doing some good does not buy you the right to then just be a fucking asshole. But like, and I know she doesn't know, you know, anything that I've done in my life, but also like in my head, I was like, I can pretty much rest assured I've done more for the Me Too fucking movement than you, you dumb cunt. <laughs> so, but again, like I kept this, I, I kept this in my, in my, in my head. And you know what? And like, even if, you know, God forbid she was a survivor of assault or something, it's just like you, we, you cannot pretend that animal life and human life and and I think they are equal but like they are not the same like the things that go on in the animal kingdom are very different than things that go on in the human world and it's also like yeah I wouldn't I if he was a human son I wouldn't put his food in a bowl on the floor either but like if I put it on the table that's actually less good for him because he's a dog and it's bad for his back I I like your dog I like his spunk my dog is fucking great. Yeah. I have a great dog. What's his name? Sir Alfred Hitchcock. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. 
Hitchcock was a horny motherfucker. You know that, right? You've heard those stories. Well, speaking of which, I mean, I didn't know until after I already named my dog that, but he apparently had his, uh, you know, a little mini Me Too uh, moment that uh, the actress from The Birds, Tippi Hedren. Vivian Lee, I think, right? Didn't she have an issue? I thought... Wait, I thought it was Tippy. I thought it was Tippy Hedren. Oh yes, I thought it was Tippy Hedren. But Vivian Lee could have also had a a, a thing because I was like, Vivian Lee is what is she? Because she's in that's um uh, Gone with the Wind. That's Vivian. Oh Lee. wait, no, who am I thinking of then? Tippy Hedren, you're thinking of, I believe. I yes, 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 yes. Who is in Psycho? Janet, Janet Lee. Lee. I think yes. Janet Lee had a an issue with Hitchcock in that regard. Yeah, and I learned that afterwards, and I was like, ah, fuck. And I was like, well, I just won't talk about that a lot, and hopefully no one will know. Because I was like, I was like, the, this my second runner-up, which I obviously wasn't using at this point, was Woody Allen. Because I wanted, you know, I went to film school, so I wanted to name my dog one of my favorite directors. And I was like, well, Woody Allen's definitely out of there. So yeah, H- Hitchcock is a cooler name anyway. So and it Alfred's is than Woody. So yeah, my dog's name's Harvey Weinstein. It's terrible. Perfect. Oh, it's such a perfect. God, who knew? Who knew he was a creep? Uh, Harvey R. (laughs) Kelly Weinstein. (laughs) R. Kelly Weinstein. Well, look, I've I've kept you. I've kept you so long. I wanted I wanted you to drink some of this rose, and now you've you've embraced it. And you you know what? You seem more energized than when we started this show. Oh well, I mean, I always you know you gotta you gotta gotta turn it on when the cameras are rolling. That's why I put a bright I put a bright light in my face to make sure to keep me fucking alert. So what, Corinne, where can the, uh, where can the folks find you? Wait, philanthropy gal. Is that it? Yeah. I mean, you don't have to whisper the last part, but if you want to, you can. Philanthropy gal. Where'd that come from? Why, where'd, where'd the, that's your uh, social long, media. Yeah. A long time ago when social media first began, you know, back in when Twitter was first a thing, I, uh, I had like a, a philanthropic blog, uh, right when I was like in college or even maybe before, I don't know, like eons ago. And, uh, then I kind of just got like a good enough following that I didn't want to delete it when I changed uh, to being a comedian. And I could have just changed the handle and not lost the following, but people can't spell my name right. And like, since philanthropy is a word in the dictionary and it's also like annoys my colleagues a lot that is that my handle is philanthropy gal. So I just left it because it's funny to me to annoy people. Well, you don't have a C. You're just a F-I-S-H-E-R, right? Yeah, no, people spell both my first name and my last name wrong. They always spell my first name wrong. I mean, sometimes people will just straight up like write Connie. And I'm like, well, that's just a different name entirely. So. Well, and then your podcast mate, Christina. I've never seen anybody spell Christina the way she spells Christina. And oddly enough, people spell her name right more often because it's so weird that I think they have to look it up. So what else we got? We got we got the podcast going. Yeah, we have guys, we fucked uh, the anti slut shaming podcast on uh, exclusively on Luminary, but although there's like six years of archive available for free on iTunes and Spotify. Um, and then I have a new ish podcast with Joe DeRosa. Joe DeRosa, my buddy, to. my boy. Yeah, that one's called Without a Country, and that's and I listened on to Guest that. Digital. Thank I, you. I, that's I did. On I, Guest I, I listened. I did a live stream with Joe a week or so ago, so I listened to a couple episodes of that, and you guys kind of. You you take you're you're taking two positions. You explain what it, what you're doing on that show. 
Yeah, we just go over the uh, four of the most controversial news stories of the week, and we review them using uh, media sources from the extreme right and the extreme left, which is what a lot of how a lot of people get their news these days. And we try to find some sanity in the middle because, like, we 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 both uh, self-identify as liberals gone rogue. So a lot of times, I think we surprisingly. Uh, think that there is more sense in uh, conservative articles than most liberals uh, would care to admit. Um, we just, we, yeah. And like, cause I stopped reading the news a long time ago cause it was so fucking biased and everything. Like, I don't want to read it. I don't want to read some idiots think piece. I want the actual facts, what happened. And then I can use my own brain to determine my thoughts and feelings on it. I need, I don't need someone else telling me their feelings and then arguing one-sided why I should agree with them. That to me is not unbiased. So when you say you stopped reading the news, you mean you, you started avoiding punditry more. I mean, you still like the New York Times. This is the thing that makes me nuts. The New York Times is fucking news. Like the the stories in the New York Times are news. The they are news, columns, but they're still biased. They're oh, still biased. All right. Now we're going to. Here we go. In a lot. All right. We're having you back on again. And next time I like to my preferred my if I if I was going to everyone's like, what's your preferred if you had one news source, I would actually choose the Washington Post. I feel like they do do a great paper, great paper. They they do. I feel like they do. New York Times. The problem with the New York Times as a fucking 17 year New Yorker, they're they're more elitist than I think news needs to be like they just they just even the way they write is like I can tell the writers fucking noses in the air as they're writing. And I don't need that. I don't need that attitude. Says the woman who goes to the dog cafe. That's for my dog. That's for my fucking dog. (laughs) I know it's silly when I'm there, but my dog really likes it. So you're what you're saying is the dog is forcing you to go there. You this is not you don't want to go there yourself. The dog out Sir Alfred Hitchcock insists that you take him to the dog cafe. He loves playing and he loves snacks and they have both of those things there. They have lamb cupcakes for dogs there. That's cute as fuck, and he loves them. <laughs> Corinne Fisher, everybody, uh, thank you so much for for hanging out with us, and uh, I, you know, and and for popping the rosé. I'm glad you uh, you got this on board here. Is, this ice cube is great. I mean, it's still it's still icy, and I think the whiskey cube was actually the way to go. It's not watered down at all. Everybody, uh, check out Corinne's podcasts and check her out on the social media, Philanthropy Gal. And we'll be right back after these words from our sponsors. Support for What We're Drinking with Dan Dunn comes from Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Listen, folks, when it comes to dating, it's a jungle out there. But when you do find someone who wants to take you home, you better make sure it's not a jungle down there. That's why I use Manscaped, a revolutionary electric trimmer that makes accidents a thing of the past. Their Lawnmower 2.0 has proprietary skin-safe technology, so this trimmer won't nick or snag your nuts. Take my word on this. No, seriously, you don't want to Google snag your nuts. It's going to take you down a dark road. Another reason to get Manscaped is that you don't want to use the same trimmer on your face as you're using on your balls. That's just nasty. Oh, and Manscaped also has the Crop Preserver, an anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer. You already put deodorant on your armpits. Why not use it on the smelliest part of your body? Get 20% off and free shipping with the code DRINKING at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. 
use the code DRINKING. And always use the right tools for the job. Always use Manscaped. Your balls will thank you. Hey, so on Tuesday, May 19th, I'm going to be doing another Nightcap Live, which is a live stream that happens on Flaviar's YouTube channel. And my guest is going to be director Steven Soderbergh. Very excited about this. Tuesday, May 19th, it starts at 6 p.m. Eastern time, so 3 p.m. Pacific time. Probably go about an hour with Steven Soderbergh. We're going to be talking about Singani 63, his uh, brandy brand that he has. And we're going to be talking about the movie Contagion, I'm sure, and Hollywood. Steven's heading up the uh, effort to reopen Hollywood. He's been tabbed by Hollywood to do that. So that, again, Tuesday, May 19th on Flaviar's YouTube channel with Steven Soderbergh. And he's also going to do a little segment with me for this podcast as well. So we'll be that'll be coming up uh, in the next couple of weeks, that interview with Steven Soderbergh. What else? <clears throat> um, oh, yeah. So you, people that listen to the show regularly know that I, I've talked before about a book I've been working on where I collect stories from storied bartenders. And I'm going to turn that into a book. I really am. So I was watching uh, Star Wars the other day in quarantine, and it reminded me of one of my favorite stories that a bartender told me for the book, and uh, it's it's by Kiwa Bryan. Uh, she is a Vermont native, former figure skater. She lives out here in Los Angeles. She bartended for a long time. She works with a, some rum brands now. But she told this great story, and I thought we'd I'd end today's show with that. So this is this is Kiwa's story, as told by me, as told by her, as voiced by me. When I worked at the Eveli in West Hollywood, the management unwisely gave me unrestricted access to a label maker. They clearly did not understand my tendency to abuse power. Most weekends, when the suits were away, I'd print up alternative, usually offensive name tags for the bar staff. It boosted morale and gave us all something to laugh about. One day, I combined my mutual love for Star Wars and terrible puns by printing up a string of boozy characters from a galaxy far, far away. That night saw appearances by Luke Sky Vodka, Boba Fernet, and Han Soko. Naturally, I was Princess Lalea. The evening was proceeding as per normal with me basking in my cleverness and watching the place turn into the Mose Eisley Cantina with craft cocktails when a guy walked into the bar and did a double take on my name tag. Princess Lalea, he asked. In the flesh, I shot back. By the way, for those not born on Planet Cocktail... Lillet is a French fortified wine. So the guy says, I'm Stan. Nice to meet you. You big Star Wars fan, I guess. Does a bantha poodoo in Beggar's Canyon, I said. Well, in about 20 minutes, you're going to yell no fucking way at me, Stan said. No fucking way, I said. Wait 20 minutes, he replied mysteriously. If I say it again, your tab's on me, I said, confident of my ability to maintain my ladylike poise. Sure enough, about 20 minutes later, I was grabbing a bottle off the back bar when I heard a woman behind me say, Excuse me, are you Princess Lalea? I turned around and Carrie Fisher was smiling back at me, Stan at her elbow. No fucking way, I shouted. Just thought you two should meet before I start running up that tab of mine, Stan said. I've got a bad feeling about this was all I could muster. I'll take a pretty kitty, please, said the number one hero of my entire life. A pretty what, I asked, stumped. It's half Coke, half Diet Coke, she replied. I'm living dangerously tonight. Thus commenced the best three hours of my life. 
with the real live in the flesh Princess Leia yelling, Hey, Lilea, another pretty kitty across the bar at me every 20 minutes or so. Rest in peace, Carrie Fisher. You'll always be my rebel leader. And that's going to do it for this episode. I thank you for joining me. And I invite you to follow me at The Imbiber on Instagram and Twitter. I want to thank Corinne Fisher for being a great sport and drinking the wine she probably didn't want to drink. <laughs>